We are finally at the end of our resetting the important titles list list thing. I'm with Bob. And uh, today we're going to talk about the industry meta. Um, there's a few things that are good. There's a few things that are bad that are going on in gaming in general, also in esports, that um, should definitely be on your radar that you should be watching out for. These are general ideas, although I am going to mention one specific site that um, has contributed a lot for a specific genre of games and its innovations that it continues to roll out that it allows regular tournament access. You probably guess what I'm talking about right now. I, I love the, I've said so in the past that I think they're brilliant in that last year was the year that they absolutely smashed it out of the park, literally. <laughs> Lol, what a play on words. And uh, they, uh, it's totally, that it seems like everything's, you know, up for grabs as far as, any, everything and anything is up for grabs as far as what's possible for them. It's sort of a general overview sort of thing. So get ready. We're going to talk about some controversial thing. You know, I'm trying not to cuss in this podcast and it's getting kind of hard now. You're listening to Lowercase Esports. Today is the 16th of May, 2018. Gambling, loot boxes, DLC, Smash.gg, multiple team ownership. These are problems that the the problems or benefits that the industry has uh, had to deal with for a little while now. Uh, obviously, not all of these are totally bad things. In the grand scheme of things, they will allow esports to grow. However, uh, there are some things here that. Um, I wish we could get away from that should not be adopted at such a widespread level. I mean, let's start with gambling, for instance. I mean, we could we could talk about how morally neutral you should be on gambling, but personally, I don't really like it in the way that it's been done up till now. I think there's been some significant movement as far as capability for Americans to be able to gamble on things, but I personally don't don't think that we should really the the esports industry as a whole should really be focusing on gambling as the thing that creates revenue the thing that saves esports whatever you want to say um i just believe that the the virtual item sort of marketplace that goes on with dota 2 that goes on with counter-strike and PUBG to some extent the way that those items have created value and the way that sites have taken advantage of this to allow users to deposit skins and get credit for gambling on casino games instead of actually gambling on matches or betting on matches per se. I think that's another thing we should, we should uh, separate here. Um, while yeah, betting is a form of gambling. I think we should separate it for the sake of esports, right? Because betting can be done in such a way that um, everything is obvious. There is no like house, um, you know, advantage in betting, right? Because the house doesn't determine the outcome of the bet. the The game that's being played on the competitive level determines the outcome of the bet. The only thing the house does is weigh the factor of okay, if you bet for the underdog, this is how much we'll pay you. If you bet for the if you bet for the expect team expected to win, this is how much we're going to pay you in return for that bet. I think that that's a fair position for the house to be in because it's all given to you like 
you know, from the outset, right? Betting on esports games is not going to go away. It's going to be, a, it's going to continue to be a thing. Um, and, you know, I think it's, I think it's cool. I mean, it's obviously a way for some of these uh, gambling organizations to make money. It's a way for, potentially, it's a way for uh, revenue to return to the scene itself. Although the conflict of interest there is kind of crazy in some cases, um, especially considering that all of the, in esports, all of the referee and all of the match officiating, you know, folks uh, are typically part of the publisher or part of the tournament organizer. And those would probably be the people most in the position to set up all the gambling, you know, money flows from such a, from such an arrangement. So I don't think after thinking about it for two seconds, probably not a good idea, but I think that uh, betting on esports is not going to go away. It's only going to get better. There's only going to be better odds laid out there as we, you know, as more and more sites start competing. Um, if there is a regulation that begins to happen, that's probably where we could see a lot of interesting things happen. The, the, the American side of things. Now, the, the betting on esports happens everywhere else, uh, or a lot of everywhere else, really. Uh, and everything seems to be okay. I haven't heard of anything super crazy happening. Um, with the gambling scene, it's probably because I haven't really looked into it. So it's a lot of it, a lot of it's probably ignorance. But uh, I think there should be a distinction between betting on esports and gambling. Gambling, uh, like the 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 skins and the items that you get from these games as collateral for credit to play on these sites, is super dumb and needs to stop fast because. You know, that's, I mean, I know CSGO is the second most, you know, pay eSport that, that, that pays out, you know, money to people in tournaments this year so far. I know there's a bunch of different tournaments that happen way more than any other game right now. And I know there's way more competitors um, or people, players that are considered competitors at the CSGO professional level or pro-am level, what have you. But, I mean, I still look at that game and I can't not consider the virtual item economy every time I look at it. Like, I sold a lot of my items. The only three items I have left are a StatTrack USP Guardian. I have a, a Darkwater M4A1 StatTrack that I bought with my own money. And then I have a, uh, a Bayonet Fade. Um, apparently it's the shit fade but it's still like $300 on the Steam Marketplace if I sold it right now. I could, I could sell that knife and not pay for another game for the rest of the year and just use the credit that's on the Marketplace. Or I could be a loser and sell that item to, or basically give the item away in return for maybe a decent amount of credit on a gambling site and try to make more money that way and then try to deal with withdrawing that money, which sounds so insane i don't i don't understand how there's enough i mean like first of all i don't understand like how you don't report it on taxes right because it's going to be obvious if you get audited by the irs you're screwed right because they're going to take a look at your they're going to take a look at your bank and be like hey this money uh where did it come from uh, it says uh csgolounge.com 
com, and I'm pretty sure we know what that is. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how you make this money? Like I don't I don't understand the the entirety of having to deal with with all of that. Like especially when it's not legal in the United States to do. Like the the loopholes around all of this just just doesn't make sense. And I understand that there are some people that are literally investing in items. You guys are insane to me, but more power to you. But I don't understand. I, I, I mean, I, okay, let me back up here. I understand that how this all came about because, you know, virtual items have value because they're rare, because they don't drop so often. Therefore, they're assigned, they have a place in a marketplace that allows people to give them a monetary value. And then that monetary value is interpreted with a with an added uh, assessment of risk to third parties, and they try to, because obviously the item can be either completely deleted by a valve, or it could be um, uh, fraudulently um, claimed back, or something like that, or reported as missing or stolen, or some sort of I don't know. Uh, it just doesn't. Just don't do it. Just stop it. Just stop it don't do it it's dumb all it does is just create a identity problem with the scene that's all it does it, csgo will always be linked to gambling for me always regardless of how insane these pro matches are csgo will always be linked to gambling for me because that was the platform that did it uh that did it the biggest that did it first it will always be linked that way to me. And also, I mean, look at the, the, the pros in the scene have also fallen. You know, they there's a bunch of pros, if you don't remember, a few years ago that took, you know, skins in payment for throwing a match. And some of them are still banned to this day because of that. And I think it's, it's high time that um, they, I mean, obviously... It's been a few years. Maybe they maybe they should be done, especially because I mean, it's it's not like they were. Um, it was a lot of money in skins A and B. It's not like because skins back then, you know, they were a little bit different. But it's also not like, you know, they've missed out on the biggest. They missed out on the boom of CS:GO for crying out loud, right? And not to mention that band took a lot of put a lot of pressure on people. Not to mention Valve having to step in and stop this in the first place. And now they're being sued by multiple state governments or people crying about their kids stealing their credit cards to gamble on these sites, to pay for skins to gamble on these sites. And it's like, obviously, Valve's not responsible for bad parents and what they allow their kids to do, right? Because uh, that's the parent's responsibility. Um, uh, but... Uh, you know, I, I it will never be disassociated from gambling unless they completely terminate the skins marketplace. It's the only way. It's the only way I will ever be able to unsee and unbelieve the gambling connection with CS:GO. That's different from the betting connection, but it just believe me, no one's really gonna care. They're just gonna throw it all under gambling and call it a day. Loot boxes are a thing that's here to stay in games and the gambling aspect of, you know, what you're going to get out of, the, out of, out of what, you know, the loot box is offering is also a thing that's here to stay because it's a behavioral psychology thing 
wherein people that are addicted to a game or people that are hooked on a game, uh, which is the same thing I just said, you know, tying some sort of progression to that is dumb and it's stupid and people should stop. Battlefront 2. EA lost how many, you know, millions of dollars in value, in stock value, after their entire customer base basically said no and Wall Street actually listened? Go back and look at the value of how much uh, how much money that company lost. I guarantee you they lost twice as much as Battlefront 2 ever brought in. I mean, like, they lost so much money from that entire experience. And there are other there are other companies in the industry that do it correctly, or at least in a way that doesn't tie progression to loot boxes, right? You have anyone that's doing anything cosmetic, even the loot boxes that are in, you know, CSGO and that are in Dota 2. Those loot boxes and treasure chests and what have you, you know, you can you can get them and once you pay for the key to open them, which is another thing entirely, it's all cosmetic. Nothing changes the game. Overwatch, the same way. You get some cool-looking skins, but it's a first-person perspective game. All you're going to do is be able to peacock to other players, and every once in a while, like if you're playing Reinhardt, I guess, because you use the shield and you can see the third person, you have that brief out-of-body experience, but, you know, I don't understand it on that level, really. And I kind of do, because some of those skins look freaking awesome. Um... But uh, those are things that are here to stay and the responsible companies that, you know, don't tie it to progression and don't bottleneck their players' enjoyment of the game based on loot box, you know, opening things. Those are go- those systems are going to survive. They're going to have to they're going to have a little bit troubling, troubling times here in the EU coming soon. I guarantee you the EU is going to crack some skulls when it comes to what is allowable in games and what is not especially within the context of are loot boxes gambling because yeah they're asking that question and yeah um gambling's one of those things they don't really mess around with when it comes to you know you know sweeping eu law <laughs> you know um that's going to be something that people are going to have to look at um just like this multiple team ownership thing right the 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 being able to own more than one team, being able to help more than one team. There are some companies out there that do that sell merchandise. Some of these rules are so vague, like the Valve rule that just came out. Some of these some of these companies sell merchandise for teams. Some of these companies sponsor multiple teams. Some of these companies like like how are you going to like are you just going to have to pick one going forward or or you you only have one uh, merch company for your team and that company can't work with anyone else in this game i don't understand how like because i understand the complete ownership and management aspect of it and es force and refresh gaming are gonna have a uh, they're gonna have a hard time trying to put two teams into the major now i understand that uh or in the major the, the csgo major rather um you know, Heroic has, you know, generally been one of those teams that exists and they've been really, they've been really struggling pretty hard to get up into the upper tiers of, of competition again. They want to try to make this major, I guarantee it. The uh, Astralis is obviously a team that's at the top tier. SK Gaming, uh, US Force, SK Gaming is a team that's in the top tier. Uh, Virtus Pro, probably not in the top tier anymore, but 
they're one of the legendary teams that um, you know that one of the, the that team's roster is like so hardcore, and the fact that they're still a roster together is kind of insane. I mean, they're the they're the exception to the rule, as far as I'm concerned, about how all these other teams trade players every year and stuff like that and. Basically, I imagine all these other teams have like year-long contracts tops. They might have six-month contracts, or they might go major, major, or whatever. But I, I imagine that there are a Virtus Pro. I mean, they got those guys signed those multi-year contracts like last year, early last year, and they haven't looked back. Right? Um, it's kind of insane. But Virtus Pro and SK Gaming, both owned by AS Force, or in managed by us force in some way right um not to mention that um both those teams have you know control have a considerable consolidated interest in wisa for crying out loud um because they're both there and uh, of course uh, the, uh, we're gonna get in the weeds on that again so i'm gonna stop that uh it's obviously got to stop one 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 company owns one team how hard is that one individual company owns one team. It's, it's you know, obviously other organizations have been able to enforce this. You've got the LCS, you know, the franchise system there. They basically force a bunch of other teams because Riot say, you can come in and you can't come in. Um, uh, Overwatch League, for crying out loud, they get people that aren't in the industry right now to come in and own teams. And then those people get people who are in the industry to come in and run those teams. That's how Overwatch League works, um, if, if you didn't know. Um, they get people that own NFL teams and NBA teams to come in and throw, like, you know, you know, millions and millions of dollars on these bets that, you know, hey, one day we'll be profitable, lol. And um, now they they just bring in, you know, like uh, like the, the New York Excelsior, for instance. Bob Kraft, who is the owner of the Patriots and has his own little sports uh uh, entertainment organization uh, brings in Huck to come in and run his esports stuff. And guess what? They're not doing completely horrible. Um, and they have a respectable, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing when you have that sort of very, very clear uh, dynamic of ownership there. Um, I, it's CSGO again. Why does it always have to be CSGO where the most, where the dumbest things in esports seem to happen nowadays. It used to be Riot, but now it's CSGO. I guess it's because Riot has kicked out all the people who they hate at this point, and now only allowing, uh, you know, owners and and teams that they don't 100% hate. Maybe that's probably the reason. Also, I guess because Monte Cristo left, but, you know, whatever. You also got to consider how people buy games now is significantly different. There's a lot more free to play out there. You also have to, you know, you've got this loot box thing where people are paying for things that are purely cosmetic, but you still get to count that as revenue for your game, which is the whole reason why Destiny existed in the first place and, and, and why, you know, Overwatch League, Overwatch has these loot boxes and 40 million players now. Think about how many, think about how much extra money they're getting for people that just buy loot boxes, right? A lot of these other games have these similar systems. So why are we paying $60 for games anymore, right? I mean, PUBG is only 40 bucks, 
But even still, there's some, you know, you have to buy keys to unlock chests in that game. There's a revenue stream that, uh, that continues on after the initial purchase. And I gotta imagine at some point that this is, pre- this is a predictable phenomenon. Why are we forcing, why, why are games companies forcing players to spend $60 on a game when they're going to spend more than $60 on the game in their entire lifetime? Uh, depends on how the game is developed, but, you know, a lot of these games were, have, have slowly become the number one profit generator for these companies. And I, I or, or at least one of the two, or they become significant profit generators for these companies. I guess... I guess, to be fair, uh, CSGO and Dota 2 are not the significant profit generators for Valve because that's actually Steam. Um, but the games just have this tail life, and once they get a critical mass in the player base, it will always generate revenue. So why overload the front end with revenue? Why not try to make, why not try to make your game you know perceive it as if it's a value sort of game that you're expecting people to eventually pay for stuff like oh, I don't understand the the business behind that. I mean, look at Grand Theft Auto 5. It's a little bit of an icon in the games industry, but you've never had to pay for a piece of DLC in their in their multiplayer mode. Now they've never had a single player mode update either, but that's because we've now learned that Rockstar hates having to build single player campaigns and the reason why GTA 5 took so long is because uh, the single player campaigns. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the annual franchise model too. Why are we paying $60 for a call of duty every year? I don't understand. Why can't we just pay like, why don't we pay like $40 for a call of duty every year? Why don't we pay 20 bucks and then only have the multiplayer? I would love to be able to like isolate the campaign from the multiplayer until a good one comes out. Like another black ops two, right? Like, I want to I want to be able to play the game, get a feel for it, maybe like hmm the campaign is this good, usually the multiplayer controls about the same as the campaign. If I could do this in the campaign, I could probably do this in the multiplayer. Let's take a look and see if it's worth, you know, worth it for me. Obviously, uh Activision Blizzard will never allow uh Call of Duty to not be a $60 game that has loot boxes that, you know, hinder progression. But I I don't see how I mean, like, uh, they're probably going to add Battle Royale in this version of Black Ops 4, and I I, I can't wait to see how everyone's going to groan over that. Of course they won't. They're only going to show it off at E3, and there's going to be a room full of COD bros, and they're just going to be like, yeah, Battle Royale, I don't have to play Fortnite anymore. Yeah, man. But as far as trends that, um, that are visible in esports, that are visible in gaming as a whole... Um, this probably has more to do with esports. I mean, Smash GG, you gotta give it up to those guys. I've been saying this for, I've been saying this for over a year now. Smash GG is probably the single greatest component in the FGC that allows for it, the scene to continue to grow and allows for anyone to start their own event. And those are both like the same thing, right? The whole idea is that the FGC is a grassroots thing wherein you have a local and you go to your local and you support your local and your local is sustainable and then a bunch of locals get together and decide we want to do a regional event and it happens. Either one local sponsors it and runs it 
and the other or the other or one local like you know decides hey we're all going to go to this event because it'd be cool if we all show up, up and represent yeah you know and uh, it's like that that why can't why can't other scenes learn more from smash gg instead of like having to assume that leagues will be run for them why not just you know create a site where all of the leagues you can run you know events and tournaments from here they have a bracket system for crying out loud they have all sorts of record keeping they they count you know you sign up with an account and then the next thing you know you can sign up for multiple events and all of those events have trackable statistics for the most part and you can see how you did in the past year for crying out loud like why isn't this a feature set of other for other games uh, I mean, it's it's all right there. I'm sure you could clone it. I'm sure they would be disappointed because I'm because I I would imagine that they would rather you just contact their partnership department and say, hey, would you like to uh, set up your game director Smash GG? I know you would. And you know, I I just don't understand why that isn't replicated on a grander scale for more games. And I understand that. There are CSGO leagues and there are some amateur Dota things going on and other games have organized leagues that don't really benefit from more grassroots organization. I understand that. Overwatch League is never going to be a game that has that is considered grassroots because Overwatch League itself, you have to be invited to join um, we used to think, I used to think that, uh, Blizzard actually cared about who joined the league and obviously they don't because look at XQC, um, not to mention, look at their own league, the other, oh, oh my God, the, 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 the fusion university story is actually, I think I'm actually triggered. Um, believe it or not, like I, okay, so let's just stop there. Let's just stop there entirely and say that there are good things that are going on in esports right now. There are good developments that will help the industry as a whole. Smash GG and its continued dominance of allowing grassroots organizers to create events, allowing medium level organizers to create events, allowing big organizers that create the cornerstone events in the FGC to operate efficiently and effectively will continue to be a thing. Smash GG isn't going away. The only thing I wish would go away is this voting system because uh, nothing screams, nothing screams, I have a critical mass of people that will watch your event like, uh, or popularity contest like a voting system for people to get into a tournament, right? I mean, forget performance. Uh, you know, let's just forget, you know, new talent too. Let's just say, hey, if you got a lot of people, you could show up and be, you know, one of these uh, whatever the voting system is different but you've also got the betting scene and what that can potentially do for um, creating a secondary ecosystem in esports that a lot of other sports betting you know scenes have everywhere else that seems to be pretty healthy and that gets more people involved in watching games that's also one of the other things that it really does it gets passionate it gets passionate fans of other sports considering to watch more esports right because they think there's a market they can corner there in the betting and the and the uh the the fantasy league thing um there's more to be done with betting becoming more mainstream in esports but there's also these loot boxes if they're done right 
They're great. If they're done badly, they hurt the entire gaming industry. Um, and then there's paying 60 bucks for games. It's dumb. Let's get over it. There's paying for DLC for games. It's dumb. I'm sorry that your game has to front load all of its money, but if it were good, you would just make them back in loot boxes. Okay? That's going to do it for resetting our lowercase esports important titles list. Um, I'm going to post this sort of compilation episode probably this weekend if I have some time, if not next week. Um, we're going to shift from all of these sorts of topics that we've been doing over the past few days to more deep dive on specific stories and trying to figure out, you know, what, what the deeper, what the deeper thing behind there is. We're also going to probably, I'm going to start using the typical nomenclature that I use because I have a, like a very specific, you know, way to address certain companies' names. Like it's not ESL, it's all MTG. It's not DreamHack, it's all MTG. Um, you know, maybe in the future we'll start treating team names like, you know, SK Gaming for CSGO and Virt uh, Virtus Pro for CSGO as uh, ES Force. ES Force Team A, ES Force Team B, you know, things like that. Maybe we'll get into that, but teams are, uh, I mean, they're individual entities that still influence things. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. It's the same logic, but it's not. It is and it's not. If you'd like to listen to more, you can check out our podcast on any number of podcast feeds that are out there. We're on Apple Podcast Directory. We're on the Google Play Directory. Just search for lowercase esports and uh, look for the podcast that was updated in 2018. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LC underscore esports. Uh, I am uh, at B-C-A-R-R. -R. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.